breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. I was looking up the last bond proposal. Mm-hmm. 101.7 FM, 710 Keel, Mike Martindale, Aaron McCarty. Good morning. Good morning. Five propositions. On the last one, it was December of 2021. Mm-hmm. And one passed. Yep. Which was police and fire. Mm-hmm. And now... Uh, Mayor Arsenault, we don't have the number of what's going to be on the the, the one coming up that he's proposed because they're still doing their committee. They're they're yeah. still doing their the council, and it's up to the council to put the final touches on it too. So they got a lot. It's a long way to go. Right. It's a, it, it, we're we're just at the uh, the infancy of this process. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shreveport Fire Chief Clarence Reese Jr. and uh, Shreveport Police Chief. Wayne Smith have made their proposals on what they want. My computer is still rebooting, Aaron. I am sorry. One of the things that is on the top of the chief's list, and I hadn't even thought of this, is the uh, the training academy. They said it's 50 years old. And it needs a facelift to the tune of 15 million bucks. Right. Um, and because it's old and it's outdated, many of the, and, and they say, you know, to attract recruits these days, you need to have a training academy that has all the bells and whistles and all the latest and greatest stuff. And so they need to work on that. Um, there are some pretty big needs still with the uh, fire department in that there's three fire stations they want to completely replace. And I'll give right. you those locations real quick. One is uh, number 11 which is on Uri Drive right there near Albany. Um, station oh, yeah. station 3, which is on East 70th, right there near Uri, between Bayou Pierre and, uh, and Uri. Um, and they need to replace Station 16, which is on Hollywood Avenue, not too far from the airport. Those need to be completely redone at you know either that location with a bigger site, because mm-hmm. the Uri Drive site, if you can imagine, it's very tiny. And they need a bigger a bigger building there. They also but need. Isn't it pretty well landlocked? I mean, are it there... is landlocked. They're hoping they could possibly purchase businesses nearby to expand there or find other property in the area where they could move it. There also is concerns about, and we know about the mold. At what, what was the station that had all yeah. the mold? They had to shut it down out by the port. Mm-hmm. Out, uh, so Flournoy Lucas. They need I renovations. Cannot say that Flournoy Lucas. We call it Fly Lucas every now and then, but sometimes the Flournoy family gets angry. So right, right. it's Flournoy. As they should. As they should. Flournoy. Flournoy Lucas. Um, they need renovations at several fire stations. So that has all been, you know, proposed to be on this bond issue. And this is a this is a wish list from each of the chiefs. This yes. is saying this is in an ideal world, these this is what we what we need done. Mm-hmm. And and I uh, they may get angry at me for this, but I may, if I'm one of the chiefs, I might step back. Now, maybe not the fire chief, because those stations really need work. But if I'm the police chief, I may say, uh, maybe let's wait on a few of ours, because we just got 
money. But the problem is the money we got to build the substations, the three police substations, is insufficient to build all the three. So they need more money for those substations, Mm -hmm. too. Um, So, you know, I don't know, but I talked to a committee member yesterday. I'm not going to mention any names, but I asked, what's been your biggest surprise? And he used the word third world in referencing our water system. This is scary. And said, our water system is so aged and so um, in such bad shape that it almost mimics a third world country's water system. And to hear that, I thought, man, I'm willing to listen now. When you start talking about our water and then you start thinking about Flint and Jackson, Mississippi, and, you know, the list goes on, you think, man, we might need to do something here. So if the needs are we need to, we need to completely revamp our water system or we and and wait on building, you know, a new police academy. I I would have to weigh it and go, oh boy, that's well, tough. I, yeah, but, but I mean, the police academy is at least still functional. Well, yeah, <laughs> that would and, be. And so you, you and, have to go. You know, water is pretty critical. Now, not that police and fire training is not. Right. Don't get me wrong. Right. But when you have to go, okay, we have to prioritize. Mm-hmm. What What is the most pressing need? Yes. Uh, updating the facility or you know updating third world water situations right right for a city with a quarter million people we have to make repairs to the water system we have to make sure it's taken care of because how many you know raise your hand if you've heard people or you yourself have smelled how nasty our water is i'm out to lunch with some folks yesterday and they were like oh i forgot how nasty shreveport water smells and tastes See, I, I I must be lucky. It's in in at least in my home, it's mm-hmm. not that way. Mine, I'm not having yeah. that issue. Mine is fine now. I have a filtration system built into the um, my refrigerator. So oh, that, in the refrigerator, so yeah. when it comes Same out here. of the refrigerator, right. it you know it's it's tastes wonderful, right? So I don't, and that's where I get all my drinking water. Now the dog hasn't complained. No, nope. so that he dogs, doesn't get filtered water. She doesn't get filtered water. Dog's not worried at all. Laps it up, <laughs> and yeah. So <clears throat> I don't know. There's a lot of things that that uh, the city still needs, and we all know. I mean, do we want a three hundred million dollar bond issue? Yeah, it's three. Like I think it was three hundred thirty-six. Is that what it, the total oh, came to? No, it was two thirty. I think last oh, time. Two, okay, I may be wrong, but yeah. Do we want it? Do we want it to go over the three hundred million dollar mark? I. I don't know. I don't know. I, I would I would question it. I just know you better fix Night Street before you send me any more roads. <laughs> Tim Fletcher has sports next. 1017. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. What <laughs> what, what is she doing? She's lost her mind. You've lost your mind. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> I want to be a fly on the wall today. Oh, yes. I really do. So, uh, Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser coming into town, mm-hmm. which, by the way, he didn't call me. Yeah, what's up, Billy? God, what's up? I haven't talked to him in so long. He might be taking the Lieutenant Governor jet. I don't think he has a jet. I'm not sure. A meeting with Mayor Arsenault. Mm-hmm. Mardi Gras is the topic. Now, I've spoken with both both people, mm-hmm. like, 
you know, off air, you know, off the record, and both feel confident this is going to get worked out. I think it is too. Both have told me, mm-hmm. look, look, we're going to work this out. Yes, yeah. I, I think I think the same thing. I think they'll find enough uh, security officers. I think the mayor's still pretty firm on that two thirty start. Um, and I think the crews are a little bit... I don't think bit, that's a breaking point for the crews, though. I don't think it is. I think they're not happy with it, but I don't think it's right. a breaking point. Um, they want to work with something that'll let the, the parade, the floats show at night, because they spend a lot of money and time on all the lighting. Um, perhaps next year, and this is a one-year deal, so maybe they'll all go to the drawing board and, and talk about it for next year. I know we, the crews want to seat at the table, though. They want to feel like, hey, we're part of... Well, and that was kind of surprising to yeah. me. Mm-hmm. That they, you had this all these decisions, but you didn't meet with the crews on to to find you didn't out. Have them in right. What are the hurdles? What are some? If we do this, what will? It, how will it impact you? Because I don't think that some in the administration realize that um, if you change a date, well, you know, a lot of these crews are involved in crews in New Orleans or in other parts of the state, and if you change the date of their parade you're running off a lot of their their crew members and the, and once you start having crew members fall off then your parade starts to lessen you know how much you can do how yeah. much you're, you're I think involved it was tom weish who said look you're affecting more than just the parade there are meetings and the balls that they have and and like you said there some are members of other crews as well and yes and so it affects more than just and then people's travel and mm-hmm. and yeah, it's so it, it's interesting. And and you know the mayor and the administration and and I'm going to be on their side for a minute. They have to make sure the juice is worth the squeeze. They have to make sure if we're sending all these resources to man this parade, mm-hmm. are we really getting enough? Cuz Bozier essentially they get to reap all the benefits. People go buy stuff in Bozier. People don't care what city they're in when they buy all their pre-parade stuff. So Bozier reaps all the benefits, doesn't expend a nickel on the parade. So let me play devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Are there that many benefits? I mean, people have to buy their grilling stuff somewhere. They have to buy their beer somewhere. Okay, so you locals know? are going to go. They're going to run to Brookshire's or Albertsons and pick up their steaks. Mm-hmm. That, that's but, money but spent at Brookshire's. A lot of people, they say, you know, they bring their own stuff when, they're, they're, when bu- they come but, in. But they had to buy it somewhere the week before the parade. You have to go buy your chips and all your stuff you're bringing I'm not the saying there isn't. I'm just saying, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I see the argument that's, you know, okay, there are hotel rooms. Yes. Mm-hmm. You bet. People do come in from out of town. And you will find, if you talk to the people in the Shreve City area, some of those businesses... That those two weekends make their whole year. Right. I mean, the little daiquiri joint there. You know how many daiquiris they sell during Mardi Gras? <laughs> Holy cow! And you know the pizza joint that's right there. What's the one right there at Knight Street? And I mean they. But what about the huge appliance store right there? The, some of them Do, shut you down. They, you think they're they're making a killing? Nope, they're not. No. And Super One shuts down. I think at two o'clock. 
um they did last year i don't know if that's the plan that i might keep my grocery store open but i don't know if i would or not i mean people are going to come in and use the bathroom and all that chaos it would be chaos so you know it's a little bit of of an issue for some of the businesses but for a lot of them they can make a pile of money so i would just love to be a fly on the wall today let's see how it goes i think they're going to be big boys and shake hands and come to an agreement and go we're done we got it we got it set both yeah both men are, are are very intelligent absolutely you know classy fellas mm-hmm. that are going to com- conduct themselves and and comport themselves in a, in a you know professional manner absolutely no doubt about it i am interested what time is the meeting don't know don't know i don't know if they've put that out there it's okay. when the it's when the lieutenant governor's jet arrives i think i think <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you? What, Mike I, Spence um, is coming up at seven ten this morning to talk about tomorrow's election, uh, early voting starting, and his predictions for turnout. And Congressman Mike Johnson joining us in the seven o'clock hour too. Thank you. What? Back with more of Mike and McCarty on one zero one seven FM and seven ten Keel. I want to take just a moment, in just a moment, and I'm I'm just going to say I've I've gotten some messages. Um, you know, my daughter was in South Africa, and my wife mm-hmm. to uh, to adopt a boy that my daughter had been working on for over two years, oh, yeah. and um, people have asked because this was back in June when they went. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the adoption didn't go through. Uh, there were medical issues that weren't disclosed. There was uh, all I'm going to say is that particular organization it wasn't upfront mm, all the way. Mm. So uh, I thank people for asking. Um, yeah, it's it's it's. It's been tough. I'll, I'll admit, uh, it's yeah. it's been it's been very difficult. And um, pray for my daughter because it's it it, it is uh, it's crushing. It yeah. is yeah. So I just wanted to. I've had people that have asked, and we've had messages, and so I I, I didn't. You know, they said you haven't said anything, and it's just been it's been a difficult time. Right. So because uh, you thank the you thing for is, asking. You and and I don't know if you want me to say this or not. You guys were attached. I mean, you had pictures, you had videos, oh, you know. It was like, you know, this was your grandchild. Yeah. And for things to have happened like they did, A, that was a travesty how they handled that, the, how that agency it was, handled it. It was difficult. But, um, anyway. But that's, I just, just wanted to let people know, mm-hmm. you know, because people people have asked, and I, and I do appreciate that very much. But, yeah. Uh, it it it. Didn't God go has through, a plan, so. Mike. Absolutely. God has a plan. Absolutely. And, you, and you don't know it yet, but um, something will happen good from this. So, <sighs> thank you very much, mm. uh, Mike Spence, Clerk of Court, joining us top of the hour next hour. Mike and McCarty, one zero one seven. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on one zero one seven FM and seven ten Kiel. All I can say is I'm glad it's Friday. I'm oh. glad it's Friday. Violet and McCarty. Violet and McCarty. 
I'm turning you into Violet from Willy Wonka for just a minute. Violet wasn't a very pleasant person. No, she wasn't. Well, actually, none of the kids were pleasant. No, they weren't. I'm closer to Mike TV, I uh, think, than Violet. Well, Violet exploded. So, <laughs> Oh, oh, I'm about to explode. You're fin to okay. explode. I'll take yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, your buddy, um, Gavin Newsom. <laughs> you know, he was you, just you, over to the house hunting for your, chicken. Your pal, he helicoptered yeah. him. Yeah, in his green helicopter. Um, he, um, he has signed a new law. In California, um, raising the minimum wage for fast food workers. Okay? Okay. Reuben might turn into Violet here, too. <laughs> Don't, Reuben may go, I'm, I'm going over there. <laughs> $20 an hour. Oh, you've got to be kidding. For fast food workers. Yeah. They will be the highest paid fast food workers in the nation. Um, Okay, I'm glad he did this. (laughs) No, because now we're going to see what happens when you do this. Well, you're going to have you're going to have machines. Somebody mark now Mm -hmm. how many employees are in the fast food industry in California today. Today, somebody mark this Mm -hmm. and 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 what is the cost of these products today. Right. Okay. And then in a year, let's look and go, oh, how much is a Big Mac now? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's $15? Yeah. And it's served out of a machine? Right. There's not even any employees mm-hmm. like the like the McDonald's in Fort Worth. Right. Employee-less. What boggles my mind, the, the, the minimum wage in California has already been boosted to fifteen fifty an hour. That's their minimum wage. That's been done. That's an old old deal. Now the new law is just for fast food workers, and he's here's what just makes me kind of think. God, you're like sheep. He signed the law amid a throng of cheering workers and labor leaders. How many of those cheering workers will have their jobs in this industry? And will they look back and when they realize they got laid off by McDonald's or Burger King or Subway or whoever mm-hmm. and go, oh, man, they have a kiosk now. Mm-hmm. They don't need me to ring up the orders anymore. They have a machine that makes the burgers. They don't need me to make the burgers anymore. Off mic the other day, I, I asked you, you guys in the room, I said, when's the last time you had a Big Mac? And, mm. and Ruben, you were it was a Tuesday. For me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the first one I had had in a long time. The I needed lunch, and the line wasn't long at McDonald's, so I, had, but, I went. But and it was lunch. a drive-through, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, I can't I, tell no. you the last time I walked into the the Mm-mm. foyer of oh, a geez. of a McDonald's. Don't remember any fast food place. Now me. I do. Rem- I do know. First of all, I like going in because. <laughs> you gotta check it before you leave, mm-hmm. and if yeah. you're home or halfway home before you find out, you know I got somebody else's order, or there's ketchup on it and you didn't want it. Yeah, exactly. But the I did. It has been recent enough, and I and this has been a while back where there were kiosks. Maybe this was Taco Bell. There were kiosks. Nobody was at the counter. Mm. You had to order on a touch screen out I, in the foyer. I right? know at some McDonald's they have those. Yes. And some force you to use the kiosks. Mm-hmm. You Absolutely. can't order at the counter anymore. Right. That's where you order. 
And, and I, you pay for it and, right there. And I remember going into Circle K a while back, and they have these scanners now. You place your big gulp and your beef jerky on the counter, and the camera scans it and rings up your item. Mm. And there were still some ladies behind the counter. I said, does this worry you at all? Yeah. They were not concerned in the slightest. Mm. They're, they're eliminating your job. Golly. And that's what's going to happen here. They're going to find these big corporations will find a way to automate these jobs. Well, they already are. Exactly. And you, and they will find a way, the ones, the jobs they still need to flip the burgers, they'll find a gadget to do that. There's exactly what well, they already have. And, that'll, and then they'll change the game and they'll have fewer workers. Because if you raise the prices too much, guess what? I'm going to go somewhere else where I can get food, you know, at, at a decent price better. Or I'll cook more at home. And, and that's what it's... Exactly. And and that'll just be the what will happen with the... Because if, you, if your burger's 15 bucks every time you go, you're not going to go as much as you used to go. <laughs> Okay, Violet. We got a, um, I think um, I'm Violet. Yeah, yeah. We got a message that says how many fast food restaurants will leave California? Who? Good point. I'm telling you, make a note now mm-hmm. of, of conditions today. Yeah. Uh, I- employment rates, cost. Make a yes. note because I'm I'm telling you, Micah McCarty. What? A- now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. I have some girlfriends in on text right now. They're going to kill me for doing this, and it's going on and on. You know, it's a group text. It's I going. Do, oh, usually, these group texts hate. go on at night, and and I'm sleeping, so I, I see it when I wake up. Fifty one messages. I'm well, using the word hate here. It's going on right now, and the last one is hilarious. It says some of them I can't read, but this one says, "quote." <laughs> I probably shouldn't read this one. You might need the button here, Ruben. I don't know. <laughs> if you say one more word about this, I'm coming to Stonewall and whipping your ass. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't to me. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> They're so funny. <laughs> My friends are hilarious. <laughs> what are they talking about? I'm not, no, no, no. We don't, no, we don't talk about that. <laughs> But I was texting her like, are y'all drinking already? <laughs> my my sister, my brother who lives in Phoenix, my niece, you know, they all do this, all of them, you know, mm-hmm. back, and they know, don't Leave put me Uncle Mike yeah. on the group text. I'm in another group text that you can't get out of apparently See those, if it was it, set up by like somebody that has an android phone and yes. you're an iphone it's some sort of group text where you can't bail out of it and um so it just goes on and on and i have asked the administrator could you please remove me and apparently there's no way to remove someone so i'm like please just start a new one well, or something exactly but uh, you know I, I somebody said you can you can Mute the notification. Mute the conversation or something. But you still see, you know, when you wake up, you still see you miss 31 messages or whatever. And I'm like, uh. I didn't miss anything. Yeah, I know. And and stupid me, I just want to just slide and delete it. 
But I'm like, oh, I want to read what they were talking about. And, I'm, and then I get in the middle of it, and I'm like, and now I don't no. ever comment. I never comment on it, but I'm like, oh, my God, they're driving me crazy. Yeah. And if it, and, and in my new car, because every time there's a message, it pops up oh, on that on new this, screen. The, yes. And I have to click ignore, <laughs> ignore, ignore, ignore. I'm trying to figure out the car, so i got to figure out how that works. But uh, it's frustrating. These group messages, they drive me crazy. Because this one this morning is hilarious. Invariably, though. if you've got six people in this group text, one's going to ask just one other person a, a question. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then those two are going to just sit there and talk back and forth yes. instead of... Let me text them individually. Let's go off to the and side. And your phone is blowing up. I know. Because they don't know whether to dice lettuce or to <laughs> get off the pot. I'm going to start a group text with these ladies, to, let's see, Monday morning at 3.30. Yeah. I think I'll start one then. Yeah. That'll yeah. Because if they text you at 10 o'clock, that's the same thing. <laughs> and I don't mind it because my phone's off. I'm essentially off. It's all muted. So I don't see it until the next morning. So it doesn't it truly doesn't bother me. But this morning they're hilarious. They're going crazy. It's funny. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. The, no, group text ought to be illegal. Ooh, make it a crime. Get your buddy Gavin <laughs> yeah, Newsom Gavin on that. <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Coming up, Mike Spence, Cattle Clerk of Court, joining us after the news. 1017 FM. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning. Cattle Clerk of Court, Mike Spence. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Aaron and Mike. I believe you're Clerk of Court elect now. Is that correct? Yeah, no opponents. Yeah. Congratulations. Nice. <laughs> uh, early voting starts tomorrow. Is that correct? That is correct. And where does one go? I think I'm going, I'm usually a proponent for voting on Election Day. I think that's when, you know, and we ought to know results on Election Day. But I think I may vote early this year. So where would one go? All right. So we got two locations. Dale Sibley and his staff man these uh, precincts. And it's at uh, downtown across the street from the uh, courthouse. And then we have the Hamilton Branch Library that you can vote at. And that's 830 to 6, is that right? That is correct. Uh, and for those who don't know where the Hamilton Library is, it's on Burke Coons near Willis Knight and South. And it's open for a week, but not on Sunday, right? Not on Sunday. Uh, it's uh, very well organized, and uh, people really like voting there. The Cattle Commission made a a good decision choosing Hamilton Library. Okay, election day, October fourteenth. Um, you're you're gearing up. That's your big day. That's that's the Super Bowl for you guys. Um, yes, ma'am. Some are saying forty two percent turnout in Louisiana. What are you looking at? What are you projecting at this point? Well, I always want a hundred percent, but that'll never happen. So. I kind of put together some figures for you. In 2011, we had 28%. 2015, we had 32%. And in 2019, we had 39%. Uh, that's not good. The good news is it's increased every every election. Okay. But it's still not good. It's, it's well, well below half 
it's you know that that are showing up to elect our our governor and our state lawmakers you are correct and uh it's a struggle to get more people to vote we're making it easier the lines are better uh we have the precincts man better with our employees that you'll see with purple shirts on uh, on election day to help you get to your right precinct it's helping a little but it's not helping a lot we need to get more of those blue dog i voted stickers <laughs> well you've got stickers this year but they're not blue dogs. <laughs> those became i think little collector's items didn't they that's correct we still have a few at our office that we keep let me ask you um one thing the the lines have changed uh, so people are going to go vote, and they may not realize, oh, you're you're now in this district for state representatives or whatever, um, or Caddo Commission, et cetera. So you need to know that ahead of time. Best way to find that out is how? Go Vote app. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Go Vote app the Secretary of State has put out is excellent. It tells you your precinct numbers, which that's very important. When you go to vote, you need your precinct number because some have changed. Uh, that way you don't get in the wrong line. If you don't know where to vote, look for someone in a purple shirt. They will tell you where to go. Uh, but you need to know your precinct numbers. That's the most important thing. That's I, I am a huge proponent of this Go Vote app because um, I, I try to encourage people to make sure you study before you get into the booth. You've got to understand, first of all, who the candidates are, what they stand for, but then the propositions. You're not going to go into the booth and read a proposition for the first time and understand what it is. And this Go Vote app uh, shows you exactly what's on your particular ballot for your your district, and and you can can go in educated. Mm -hmm. I love this thing. If If everyone wants shorter lines, if you go in prepared, you can just look at your Go Vote app and just follow it as you vote, and you can be in and out in less than a minute. But if you spend three to five minutes in there, that's going to make the lines get long. We're talking to Mike Spence, Caddo Clerk of Court. Lastly, before we wrap things up, this is among, in your world, this is among the longest ballots, a, a gubernatorial election with all the statewide elections, et cetera. So this is a long ballot, correct? That's correct. And this is when that word undervoting comes in. Uh, when people don't understand why did the last uh, people on the ballot have less votes than the first person. And that's because someone will go in and start voting and just basically stop and then cast their vote. And not everyone got to get the votes that the voters want to vote on. Their tea time's coming up. They need to get out of there, huh? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Mike Spence, Cato Clerk of Courts. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. Have a great weekend. Call me anytime, sir. Thanks. Mike and McCarty, 1017FM710Keel.com. Back to the big stories of the day with Mike and McCarty on 1017FM and 710Keel. In studio with us this morning, Brent Frazier. He's a candidate for Cattle Parish Assessor Office. What do you assess? 
assessor's <laughs> office? Uh, well, if you want to, uh, if you really look at the definition of assessor, especially specific to tax, it's an individual who values property for taxation. I, I was just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, well, there, we, got, we, got, we got an explanation. Yeah, a lot of people don't know it. So you worked in the assessor's office? I worked there. My last day was August 22nd. I worked there for 18 years. Uh, I just I decided uh, when I was going to qualify and run for office, I decided to uh, resign. I talk a lot about the integrity of the office, and I was willing to prove it. What was your uh, job there? What did you do there? At the time of resignation, I was director of real estate. Okay. I managed uh, both the residential and commercial departments. You decided to to resign and run for assessor. Um, what makes you qualified to do the to do the big boy job? Eighteen years of experience of value in property, mm-hmm. whether it's residential, commercial properties, managing of the people there. Eighteen years of speaking with you, the citizens, the business owners, about your problems. Uh, in those positions, I've dealt with all of the different departments in there, and very thorough and of the knowledge that goes into those departments. What sets you apart from your competitors? The experience I have. Let me ask you, if we know what the assessor is, is it important to you that your assessor has ever valued at least one property for the tax roll, whether it's residential or commercial? Mm-hmm. Is it important to you that your assessor has ever managed people None of the tasks? None of the other candidates have, have assessed any property? No, ma'am. So why is Charlie Hennington endorsing someone else? Well, you would have to ask him okay. that. I Were you disappointed with that decision? Well, of course, you're always disappointed. But play, And this is what I tell people. Dig a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Look and see what Mr. Hennington had me doing for all those years. I was in some of his most prominent roles. Especially, I was the one handling a lot of the values. The Paris Ride residential reevaluations. I handled them. I was out in front speaking to people. Mm-hmm. handling your concerns so i asked people to dig a little bit deeper he endorsed me heavily by actions not by his words mm-hmm. and i was still in those positions the day i left what would you do would differently if uh, if you're elected assessor well one thing we're going to work on is communication i hear a lot about the communication of our office and how get get communication out whether are we going to look at apps are we going to look at digital media social media Maybe we just got to get outside the walls of the assessor's office. Take our office into different events going on in the community. Come on this radio show when we have things going on. Get the word out about what's happening there. I would also like to diversify our employees. I don't like that sometimes we pass people around the office. I want to diversify our employees through cross-training. That way everybody has more knowledge about every department and everything that's going on there in the office. You also file the tax rolls, and there's a lot of um, financial things that the the assessor has to do. Uh, How are you qualified to take care of all that? Well, in the roles that I've been in, I've been dealing with tax roll stuff for years, helping getting them prepared. And we also, we're also, we have vendors that help us in the tax roll in the preparing, Arkansas CAMA, Mm -hmm. who handles our CAMA system. They're very much into the preparing of the tax rolls and actually submitting them through the tax commission 
we didn't start out like with this. We should have. Who 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 is Brett Frazier? Um, local guy, family guy. Um, yes, you know? I'm married. I married to my wife Lisa. I have one son, Bailey. He's uh, 24 and married. I have no grandkids yet. I'm from Vivian, Louisiana. Uh, I've been in Vivian since 2017. Uh, outside of uh, working at the assessor's office, you know, when I was a kid, I, I just grew up. I wanted to drive race cars, and so I raced locally, been racing forever. I'm still trying to achieve the dream of driving race cars for a living, but when I started at the assessor's office in 2006, I became very passionate about working there, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed serving the people. I enjoyed helping them with their problems, and I love that office, and I love those employees. Well, then the important question, um, who's your favorite F1 driver? <laughs> Man, I, I'm going to be honest with you. F1 just it doesn't uh, doesn't excite me Does enough. he sound I'm like more, an F1 uh, guy? Yeah. Listen, <laughs> okay, I, he's I, a NASCAR I, guy. <laughs> NASCAR driver. Yeah, listen, we need to rub on each other a little bit. I mean, you got to at least have one pass. Did you know he just say I'm we saying? need to rub on each other a little I bit? I mean, well, he came in wearing a cowboy's hat. So I, yeah. Yes, man. Uh, let, me, let me ask you this. Would you make any personnel changes in the tax assessor's office? Do you anticipate that happening at all? Well, I think you go in and you have to look at all the situations there. I think that's just being a good leader. Uh, but we have great employees there. And th- I spent many a years there educating those employees mm-hmm. in the proper techniques of mass appraisal and what we do there. But you will have to go in and look at all the positions. I want, I'm not, I, I want our office to be great, not just good. Mr. Hennington what- um, kind of waited till the last minute. We all, we all kind of realized that and, and decided he, w- he was going to retire. How surprised were you by that? Were you given kind of a heads up as in this deal? Uh, no, ma'am. I wasn't given a lick of heads up, <laughs> even though we had discussed it. You had? Oh, yes, ma'am. In fact, we discussed it when he made me director of real estate. I asked him then, Mr. Hinton, you going to run for office? I don't know. I said, well, let me know because I'm very interested in running. And we talked about it for mm-hmm. years. So I've... My own qualifying day, we walked into a meeting. He had a meeting with the directors and supervisors and sat down and said, um, I'm not running for office. Kristen is. I support her 100% and asking all of y'all to support her. That was the first time he had said anything to me about it, even though he knew I was wanting to run. And that's why I'm in the race. Is that why you quit? Because he, he swung his support right then for someone else in the office? Is that why you decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resign and I'm going to go run? Well, I knew the day was coming, mm-hmm. and I knew I'd already thought about it, and I knew I would be willing to resign, to run for office, because I am not the elected official there. When you are the elected official, you still have a job to do if you're going to run, and there's a certain way that should be handled. But you also have to understand, taxpayers, they paid me to be the director of real estate, mm-hmm. not have campaigning on my mind. And the other thing is you also have to realize, let's say we have an average of 40 people there, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more, depending if we've had people retire. Those people, it's hard enough when you're elected official running, the stress that's in the office. Those people do not deserve to have to go through two people in the yeah. office running for office. It's not fair to them. Are you, so you, you Republican? You're the only Republican in the race? Yes, ma'am. And you've been a Republican all your life? I was an independent when I first signed up, uh, you know, when I was young. 
But yes, very conservative. Mm-hmm. Vote very conservative. Now you left the office in August. Is that what you said? My last day was August twenty second. So what have officially? You been, what have you been doing since then? Campaigning. Okay. <laughs> Campaigning. All right. Yes, sir. Should, I was, listen, I was willing to uh, bet on myself. Do you think if you're running for that the seat, because as you know, one of your opponents is still working in the de- in the department and is campaigning for the for the position. Do you think that should not be allowed? I think, I think, just me now. Whether legally you want to go into it or not, you know I, there is some laws there. But if you make over a certain amount that you have, but to me, morally for me, and what I have seen, what happens in the office during campaign season, how it affects those people in the office. Mm-hmm. For me, it was the right thing to do, not being the elected official, and I'm proud of it, and I'm gonna stand behind it all day long. Do you have people in the office that are supporting you? Oh, yes, ma'am. Quietly or are yeah, they Well, out? yes, ma'am, very much quietly. Okay. It's, it's uh, yeah, they're you. not going to be open about it. Early voting starts tomorrow. Yes, ma'am, and I appreciate y'all having me here, and I just ask the voters, look deep. Mm-hmm. Look deep into my experience. Brett I, Frazier, assessor candidate, we thank you for coming in. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. One zero one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty, and we're going to be talking with Congressman Mike Johnson on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Will they or won't they? Government shutdown. Mm. There are those that say, hey, shut it down. You can't do any harm if you're not there. Mike Johnson doesn't <laughs> say that. No. We'll talk to him next. 1017F. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. On the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, joining us this morning, Congressman Mike Johnson. Good morning, Michael. Hey, good morning. Good to talk to y'all. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, are we facing a government shutdown? We're about to find out. <laughs> this, is a, this is a fateful day on Capitol Hill. We've got dueling, what some people call CRs, continuing resolutions. We call it stopgap spending, spending measures. Uh, to, to allow us a little bit more time to finish the House appropriations process. We, we're making good progress, guys. As of late last night, um, our, our very thin House Republican majority passed four of the, uh, in my view, the most important appropriations bills, but we still have more to go. So we need a little bit of wiggle room because September 30th, you know, midnight uh, on Saturday is when the fiscal year runs out. So the clock is ticking. What happens during a government shutdown? Well, um, you know, there are varying uh, there are varying ways that it can affect people. Okay, remember that we had a shutdown in 2019 under the Trump administration. In fact, you remember the famous uh, video, the meeting where he was in the Oval Office when he was president. He brought in Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, the two leaders uh, in both houses, the Democrats at the time, and he said, "Put it on me. Let's shut it down. I'll do it." Well, he did. He kept us shut down for quite a while, but the executive branch, the president, has broad discretion through all the executive agencies of government 
uh, to determine what level of pain is inflicted, okay? Because the reality is most of our agencies have little buffer in the budget. They can go on for 30 or 60 or 90 days or more. But if they want to turn on the pain dial early on, they can. And my fear is that President Biden and all of his agency heads are licking their chops right now. They want to make this hurt because they want to try to punish Republicans. They think they can put the, the, the blame on Republicans and that'll help them in the next election cycle. So I think it I think it could be a painful process for all of us. And we want to avoid that if at all possible. But isn't there kind of a feud in the House among the Republicans? Aren't in there one faction that's not for it? And Speaker McCarthy is trying to bring bring them along and that's where the holdup is or is that not accurate oh aaron we have all sorts of palace intrigue I, you know i, I uh, <laughs> described it <laughs> i described it in an interview a couple of days ago as um intense fellowship among the family okay that's what's going on here we, we um intense fellowship uh, yeah I've, I've been mocked for that now the last few days but um, that's what we call it we in my house we don't call it an argument we're having intense fellowship okay so that's what's happening here um you know, look, there are very principled conservatives, my closest friends and allies, okay, who are insistent that we've got to cut federal funding. I'm one of those guys. I've been beating that drum since I got here in January of 2017. We have a $33 trillion federal debt. The three of us talk about this all the time. It's the greatest threat to our national security and our way of life and our, our children's future. So the only power, really, the main power that the House has is the power of the purse because spending comes through the house. That's the way the founders set it up. So we're using the appropriations process to try to force uh, the limitation of spending on federal government. So this is a painful process, and you're seeing it play out uh, in the public. And so there's all sorts of arm wrestling and and um, you know and and jockeying to try to make that eventuality uh, happen. And you have to force it in Washington because you know these politicians here don't want to limit spending. They want to spend more and more and more. That's what's got us in this. So that at the crux of all of it, you guys, that is the that is the the argument. And um, some want to push it further than others, and some want to leverage, uh, you know, a, a shutdown uh, for that purpose. And so, at the end of the day, I think it's all going to be very productive. Uh, but but it's not fun to go to go through that that process. Mm-hmm. Talking with Congressman Mike Johnson, Mike, when uh, when there is a government shutdown. Uh, it, does it affect the average person? I mean, the mail is still going to run. Is that correct? Social Security payments are still going to go out. Uh, did I hear you say yesterday that the military will not get paid? Is it? Did I hear wrong? Yeah. Can you clarify that? Yeah. No. I mean that that's a that's a real threat that that our servicemen and women would not be paid during the period of a, a shutdown. Let me, huh? let me clear up. And, and guys, we've got to we've got to fight and do everything we can to prevent that from happening. Obviously, I've got one of the biggest military districts in America, so that's why I keep beating that drum loudly. Um, and no one here desires for military uh, service members not to be paid. Clearly, okay. But but be, because that is such a big issue, uh, some of my friends, there's about six or seven of them left that are still trying to sort of play that card in the negotiation. And, and I'd say that one's too dangerous, right? So w- here's what's going to happen, though. I predict, okay, if there is a shutdown, if we are not able to reach an agreement, by the way, there's two dueling agreements, not to get too deep in the weeds, but there's a there's a House stopgap funding bill that will be on the floor here in a matter of hours that will fund the government through the end of October. Um, and, and, it, and we include in our version spending cuts and a border security measure, some really important things for the people. The Senate has another version that they're going to try that would keep the operations going through November 17th, 
Uh, all of this is to allow more time to finish the full appropriations process. But the Senate bill funds the government at its current high levels, which were all negotiated by Pelosi and Biden, okay, a year ago. And it includes aid for Ukraine, which has become a big, big uh, pressure point here. Six so billion dollars like for Ukraine. Yeah. And, and look, I, I voted on the floor. We got to stop the madness. This is the second, third round. I voted no more funding to Ukraine because we had no oversight. They're wasting our money. We have to fix our own country before we can take care of the whole world. I mean, obviously. Right. So um, and, and the border, the border is the biggest crisis facing us immediately around the country. It's the root of all men, so many societal ills and problems. And so it, in short, I mean, we, we want to shut down the border, not the government, right? So that's mm-hmm. all part of this, this argument, this tug of war that we're doing right now. But one, one or both of these stopgap funding measure bills is going to have to make it through the process, and that's the big, that, that's the big drama today. Uh, Mike Johnson, in the middle of all of this is the uh, impeachment hearings going on for uh, President Biden. Is yeah. is that going yeah. to is that still progressing? Where are where are we on that? Yeah, it's it's absolutely pro- progressing, and your congressman is right in the middle of that. We we had a hearing yesterday in the House Oversight Committee. I serve on Judiciary and the Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. Where all three of these committees are all entwined. But yesterday was oversight, and that hearing was just simply to establish the um, the, the need for and the legitimacy of the impeachment inquiry phase, which is the next step. We, we're not impeaching the president yet. We're going through the right. constitutional order to see if the evidence leads that way. I believe it will, but we've not made that call yet because you've got to present the evidence. Unlike the way the Democrats did it with Trump, they used it for purely partisan political purposes. We are following the evidence. And guys, don't forget, we have bank records, text messages, emails, sworn testimony, whistleblowers from the IRS and the FBI. They all confirm. The Biden family made millions of dollars from our foreign adversaries and, and Vice President Biden, when he was vice president, used that position in the White House to enrich his family. Full stop. We believe that is impeachable conduct. And if the records continue to show that, we have no choice but to follow the truth where it leads. Well, if that isn't, I don't know what is. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, look, you know, y'all saw in the headlines in the last 48 hours. We, we got, uh, because of our impeachment inquiry, okay, Earlier this week, we, we received evidence, two wires from Beijing, from China, for $250,000, $10,000, were sent to Joe Biden's home in Wilmington, Delaware. And that was the beneficiary address for these payments from China, right, who's our number one adversary right now, uh, the greatest threat to our national security next to the national debt. And he's receiving money. So the big question is, why did they receive over $24 million and put it into shell companies and dole it out to the Biden family, what did they do in exchange for that money? Hmm. Huh. I mean, it looks like a pay-to-play scandal to us, and, it, and I think millions of the American people, so we've got to find those answers. And if you took that to its to its logical conclusion, I mean, my gosh, how scary is a President Harris? Is well, that, what, right. would, well, is that I mean, what would happen? Well, here's the thing. The impeachment uh, process, if we bring impeachment articles in the House, I believe we would pass them. Then we would go to a trial in the Senate. Yours truly would probably be one of those impeachment managers presenting. You know, we tried the case in the Senate. Everybody knows how it works now because the Biden stuff, I mean, the Trump stuff. Um, but we have to determine if President Biden is compromised and if our national security is threatened. I think my, my, my guess is the answer is yes to both of those things. You know, why did a Chinese spy balloon, uh, why was it allowed to float? 
you know, unimpeded across the country and do circle eights over our military installations a few months ago. You know, we were all like, how could that happen? Well, mm-hmm. gee, I don't know. Maybe because China was paying them. I don't know. These are questions. Yeah. One, one quick question. Speaking of, yes. um, if the government shuts down, are we still going to be sending billions to Ukraine? Well, that's we, we had uh, a series of votes late last night on the on the House floor to prevent any of that nonsense from happening. Uh, we were not successful, though, guys. I, I hate to tell you, there was only about a hundred Republicans uh, that joined with us on that. And so, uh, you know, this will this, this will continue. I fear that some of the foreign aid will still be paid because remember, it's all under the executive branch. Uh, even if we go into a shutdown mode, it, look. And, and let me say this at the end: if if we do get pushed into a shutdown, my prediction is it will be a very brief one because um, no one can really afford the pain right now, and there will be all sorts of. Um, gymnastics uh, and, and political gymnastics to make sure that we can get the government reopened quickly. We're not going to like the outcome of some of those negotiations. The conservatives aren't, uh, but we, we got to do right by the American people. So you're going to see lots of arm wrestling, lots more palace injury mm-hmm. over the next couple of days. But in the end, we're trying to forge common sense and get this, this, this budget, this federal budget back under control. We can't afford to continue on like we're doing now. Congressman Mike Johnson, thank you so much for your time. Keep doing God's work. No, thank you. Appreciate it, guys. 101.7 Thank you. 101.7 FM. Seven. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Kiel. Busy Friday continues coming up after the local news. We'll be discussing uh, issues with uh, a Cattle Parish Sheriff's candidate, Hersey Jones, a Shreveport attorney. Joining us next, 1017 FM, 710 Keel. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty in studio with Shreveport uh, attorney and candidate for Caddo Parish Sheriff Hersey Jones joining us. First of all, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for uh, coming out here to East Texas and uh, joining us in studio. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Uh, first of all, uh, Mr. Jones, why did you decide to run for sheriff? Well, I love Shreveport and I'm fed up with crime. I hate bullies. I've been active in the community ever since I came back here from New York in 1988. And I tell people I had a different perspective. I was in New York City. I was at the Pinnacle. I was working at Rockefeller uh, Plaza. I had a great life. I came back to uh, start a family. And I How didn't many like, people asked you why? I asked myself why. <laughs> uh, but I knew I loved Shreveport, and I wanted to raise my family here. I didn't mm-hmm. want to raise my family in New York. Um, and when I moved back, there were some things I just didn't – I tried to make it New York. And so everything I saw that should be changed, I wanted to change it because I knew it could be better. And I knew Shreveport had a reputation for, like, to stay in the past. But the world just doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with crime, is just one of those I've been involved in this issue for the longest. Back in the uh, 80s and 90s, I worked with uh, Talbot Pope, who was a deputy with Cattle Parish Sheriff. And we worked with an organization called Youth Against Drugs and Gangs. And in fact, we had the only successful gang summit that Shreveport has ever had. 
We sat down, we gang members, and we leaders, and we talked to them. We just talked to them simple stuff. Why are you doing this stupid stuff? You know, you don't want to live? Don't you know you're going to die? What you try- how much money are you trying to make? Mm-hmm. I remember one guy in there, I said, uh, hey, how much money do I have to pay you to get out of this gang and lead a normal life? He said, pay me? I said, yeah, how much? 50000 100000 And he considered it. And he, the leader uh, chastised him. Oh, he don't, he, he want to stay in here. He was dead in two weeks. You, you're a lawyer. Wow. Folks will say, uh, yeah, you had never worn a badge. You never made any arrests. What would qualify you to, to be? And they're saying the same thing about John Nicholson. What would qualify you to be our sheriff? Well, let me say this. First, the state constitution doesn't require you to have law enforcement background. Right. But it does say the sheriff is the chief law enforcement officer in the parish. And the perspective I had is a little different than I went to undergrad at Dillard in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And Sheriff Foley, who served for 33 years, was a lawyer. And then Sheriff Harry Lee in Jefferson Parish that served about 28 years was a lawyer. And I think even Sheriff Prater has said, you know, most sheriffs are lawyers. It's mm-hmm. kind of the, not the exception, but it's really not the rule that they're in law enforcement because the job is bigger than law enforcement. We have a police chief for the city of Shreveport, okay? And most of the crime is in this. We don't need two police chiefs. The, the, the sheriff's department is primarily an arm of the court. Its chief duty is to um, serve court papers. <laughs> There's right. a tax collector. And he said, and run the jail. Run the jail. That's the contractual duty with the parish. Mm-hmm. Um, but And all those have legal requirements, every last one. Even with the jail, the constitutional standard, uh, all those have legal requirements. So it's natural for a lawyer. But also, I have... Uh, been police to the police for years. Mm-hmm. You, one of your 10-point plans, and it's, it's really interesting, is to establish sheriff deputy housing in high-crime neighborhoods. You're going to make your deputies live in high-crime neighborhoods? Am I reading that right? No, I'm not going to make them live in the high-crime neighborhoods. Their wives are going to make them live there because we're going to provide them free housing. And all they have to, all they have to pay is uh, utilities. And Wait, free, is, free housing for your free deputies? Housing. The deputy the sheriff will own the housing, like those many substations, but there'll be housing within the community. So that they're there, you've got a presence, and I don't think they'll turn that down. Now, I can't make them, mm-hmm. but I think I'll find some who will see the economics of saving that money, and then they can go do what they want later on. But and then I've got to work that out and rotate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it'll work. It'll be attractive. Uh, I see a lot of Shreveport police officers who live in Cedar Grove and in Hollywood. You see the cars. And I know myself, I know where every one of those houses are. And I got to thinking, it's kind of like a police car on the, on the interstate. You know where every, and you adjust your behavior. So I feel like if you hit that mm-hmm. house there, and people will know. And also, I like them to function as sort of a dispute resolution for the neighborhood. If people are having... Uh, Bad interactions with neighbors. They know couples are having bad interactions. You can drop a little note, and then the person, the deputy, when they're driving by, can stop and just have a little conversation. Uh, That's real community policing. Hersey Jones, candidate for sheriff. Another one of your plans, number nine, it kind of jumps off the page. End legalized slavery within our jails and prisons by paying inmates a fair wage for their labor. We're going to start paying inmates... What on earth are you talking about? You know, what people don't realize is the 13th Amendment did not 
end slavery. It really reconstituted it. It was a bad deal. Uh, it says slavery is prohibited unless you've been duly convicted for a crime. And that was in the 1800s. And mean-spirited people took that, and Louisiana is a good example, as an extension of slavery. So it's like, hell, if I convict them, then I can put them back into slavery, which means I can what? I can work them for free. That's what slavery is. But I say this. The inmates are still fathers, and they, they still have obligations. So if their labor is making money, it should not benefit the sheriff. It should not benefit uh, a business. It should benefit their family. So if, they they're, clean, if, if they're picking support. up trash on our sides of our roads... We should be paying them to do that. Well, if they're picking up trash, that's something I work out with them. Uh, but if they're doing that, yeah, I'd rather work out to pay them. Because now they're not going to get the money while they're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to a guy who was, who was in Angola. And he talked about the Warren worked out something with him, which blew my mind. Allowed him to bank money. He had been in for 20 years. The last 10 years, the warden allowed him to bank some money. He came out with like $15,000. And he said that changed his whole mindset. He didn't come out broke. Uh, he came out, he started the business, and he got his life in order. So that's just a way of saying you're going to pay your debt to society by losing your freedom. You don't have to lose your dignity, but you still got obligations. And, mm-hmm. then, and remember now, it's a correctional institution. You know? So we want them to get better. I don't want them to come out angry and bitter. I don't want them to get probation fees. They got mm-hmm. restitution fees. So we got to kind of take that burden off them. So that's really what it's focused on. Is that like a minimum wage? or uh, Yeah, minimum wage, minimum wage. Okay. We, we, we can work that out with them. Can you uh, stay with us for another segment? Sure. Cool. Talking with uh, Hersey Jones, Jr., candidate for Calipari Sheriff. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. We are in studio with Hersey Jones, Jr., candidate for Cattle Parish Sheriff's Office. You're local, born in, uh, you say you're born in Cedar Grove? Yes. Educated at Harvard Law. And Captain Shreve. <laughs> oh, Captain you're a gator? Shreve, no gators. Yeah, I'm a gator. All right, I'm a bird <clears throat> fan, but that's all right. Oh, and, and I played football for Coach Oh, <laughs> man. Bird finally won last night, by the way. Just FYI. You, you... Here's what I hear about Hersey Jones today. I'm not going to mince words. Somebody put you in this race to draw votes from Henry Whitehorn. I want you to respond to that. The good Lord put me in this race to do his will. Mm-hmm. This city has a, we call it a crime problem, but we really have a spiritual problem. Mm. Who, who, who's been saying that for a year and yeah. a half now? We, we call it a crime problem. So the question is, why are young teenagers just committing suicide? Because when they know they pick up the gun and they start shooting, then I go at home, then I go back to school. So why are they doing that? Why don't they have a better reason to live? So I think that's what we have to address. So I say this city is just too mean-spirited. Um, if I could, I'll have a little smile, uh, pay people to go out, do a little good deeds, to kind of loosen up. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people are uptight and then suddenly they have an interaction, and I think this relationship problem with crime, um, one of these studies just put some, some numbers behind it, said on financial uh, stress, Shreveport was sky high. 
I think it was like third or fourth in the country, which means the wages are too low. People are barely making uh, ends meet, and they're stressed out. So when there's something goes wrong, people blow up. Uh, Senator Greg Tarver has endorsed you. He has. Um, are you and he go back a long way, I assume? <laughs> no, we do not. You do not? We do not. So why, why are you his candidate? You have not been considered a front runner, but you are the guy he's endorsed. What, what did he tell you about why he was picking you? If you look on the back of my uh, platform, um, I've been involved in a lot of programs. And one of which I helped to establish was the Southern University Aerospace Program. When he chanced, I was on the airport authority. Wait, mm-hmm. That's how far back it goes. Yes. I was on the airport authority. Dr. Robert Smith was up at uh, Southern, and he had this idea. He wanted to set this up, and he called me up, and he set up an advisory committee, and I was the chairperson. And I ramrodded it through, and we hired the first person, and we put together the curriculum, and I hadn't been involved with it since. And... Um, Senator Tarver knew about that. He knew about my involvement in the community. And I did talk to him way back when I asked him. And he said, I don't know, but you know, Hershey, you've always been involved in the community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think you'll make a great sheriff. And that's it. And that why was why, why do you think you'd be a better sheriff than Henry Whitehorn or John Nicholson? Well, because of what I just said. I've been involved in the community all along to try to do things to prevent crime. People are talking about that now. Uh, and I did that for free. I wasn't getting paid. Mm-hmm. You know, if the community need, I was, when I moved back to Cedar Grove from Ellaby, mm-hmm. you know, I got involved with the uh, Neighborhood Association, became president, helped them raise money, helped them do functions, helped them resolve disputes. Those are things you do because you love your community, not because you're getting paid. And anytime people have called on me to do things like that, you know, I've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and half of which I've forgotten about. Because I commented to somebody that I primarily was running a law practice and, and, and raising a family. And if somebody said, help me with that and I could help them, you know, I'll help them and move on. And I think that's what you need. In fact, I went before the city council about three years ago, uh, maybe four more. It was uh, about five years ago. To, they had a software on shot spot, shot, some software mm-hmm. that could track uh, gunshots. I said, have you folks ever tried that? You know. People are shooting, and the police are responding too late. Let's do something differently. Mm-hmm. Oh, that doesn't work. So I've always been involved, always made recommendations, and I always felt like I don't see what's being done. I don't even hear them say what they tried and it failed. So I feel like I don't think people really care about crime. I hear with the, the police department and with the sheriff. Nobody's upset about it. Mm-hmm. I don't hear people upset about it. That, that should be a mark. If I was sheriff in this town with this crime, that'd make me look bad. I don't hear the police chief. I don't hear uh, 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 Sheriff Prater. I don't hear anybody really upset. I'm intolerant of it. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was growing up, um, my dad got, always would get on me about having fights. Um, everywhere I go, I'd have a fight. And I would say, Dad, the fight's got nothing to do with me. I just hate bullies. Mm-hmm. People want to bully somebody else and do the bully. And I was like, well, I tell you what, they might not hit you back, but I'll hit you. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I just don't like bullies. And criminals are like bullies. They're making people not walk down the street who want to. They're making people hide in their houses. That's crazy. Every citizen, particularly elderly, ought to have a right to live a good, free life. And just because somebody doesn't like their life doesn't give them the right to, to ruin mine mm-hmm. or anyone else's. I, I got to go back to what you were saying uh, last segment about uh, two things. You, you were talking about providing housing for deputies in high crimes areas. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. 
and and paying prisoners minimum wage yes. for their work. Where is that funding coming from? Where where's the funding to buy houses and and to pay the prisoners? Everybody talks about that surplus fund that the sheriff has. I don't know what it is. Some say it's twelve million. Some say it's thirty million. Uh, but it's there. Um, and so we can work with that. But the sheriff has, just like the sheriff built safety towel, the sheriff has, has houses, has funding. Uh, and it may be something that we have to go back to the taxpayers to see if that's something they want to support. Because we've got to do something differently. I, I, I treat the crime like a cancer. And when you have something like that, any solution, it's going to have to be a little radical. Lastly, before we let you go, the um, Caddo Commission has a criminal justice millage on the ballot, October 14th. Sheriff Prater has been very vocal that he's against it. Does Hersey Jones support it? Will you vote for it? I support it. I'll vote for it with a caveat. Mm-hmm. There's got to be some accountability for the money. Mm. You know, I don't like, and I've expressed this before, too many public servants are making 180 sky-high salaries. Just way too many. I don't know how many, but it's way too many. So I don't think you get the right to spend the money any way you want and then come back and say, give me more money, and now I don't have to count to you for what I'm going to do with the money. I think there ought to be some accountability. Mm -hmm. Uh, There ought not be duplication of services. There ought to be some attempt to kind of consolidate services. So, you know, you've got uh, SPAR, you've got um, the County Commission, and you got the YMCA. All these groups are focusing on youth groups. So let's see where we can consolidate there. So I, I support it. Mm-hmm. I vote for it. But there ought to be accountability. Hersey Jones, Jr., candidate for Cattle Perry Sheriff. Thank you for coming in this morning. We appreciate Thank you. your time. Thank you. Thanks. Mike and McCarthy. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. By the way, we got a notification while we were talking to Congressman Mike Johnson that uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein passed away this morning, Mm -hmm. the age of 90. Wow. Wow. Long career in the Senate. Many, 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 many years and uh, had been ailing lately. So um, may she rest in peace. Prayers for her family, et cetera, because that's a um, what a historic career in the Senate. Coming up, we're going to be talking about. Well, we 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 discussed. I want to talk about the bond issue proposals that have come from the uh, police and fire departments. And there's a little bit. Uh, uh, Liz Swain was there too yesterday during the meeting, and she had some ideas for downtown. So I want to talk about that. And as they're going to start now, start to whittle the projects down. Right. And so now's when the real hard work starts. And the public input sessions are next week. If you want to come out and say, here's what I think we need to do. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that when we get back. Mike McCarty, 101.7 FM. 7. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Kiel. It's funny you mentioned that, the bond proposal. Shreveport Police Chief Wayne Smith, Shreveport Fire Chief Clarence Reese Jr. Uh, this week, 
presented their wish lists, their proposals uh, for the bond proposal coming up. And uh, there's there's quite the list, and I'm working on that right now. I'm going to put that up on keelnews.com. Mm-hmm. You can read exactly what they are, uh, what they're looking for. One of the big proposals from Chief Wayne Smith was um, um, complete remodel or revamp of the training academy. Correct? Yeah the the training academy is a, around fifty years old. Whoa. And they need some updates. Hold on, I'm I'm, I'm getting to that new. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they said that badly needs refurbishing. Uh, major mechanical issues like plumbing and electrical systems need to be either replaced or updated. Mm. And uh, they need to expand their indoor and outdoor physical training areas, uh, all the way from locker rooms and restrooms. So it needs pretty much a complete overhaul. Now, they, there was some money in the 21 public safety bond issue for some renovations of the auditorium and the firing range, but it needs still about $15 million worth of work. Is that accurate? They, yeah, and they say it's barely functional mm. in its current state oh. and is a deterrent to recruitment, which we know we desperately need. And I would bet if we go back and look at the study, the, you know, the wish list from two years ago, this $15 million was probably a part of that, but they had to whittle it down. Like, keep yours within this amount. And so in the, in the amount that the police and fire department managed to get passed, that was the only bond proposal that passed in 21 was for uh, emergency response agencies. Uh, we had money for renovating the existing police station, right there at 1234 Texas Street, and we had three substations in there. Well, the money for the substations in that bond issue turned out not to be enough to mm-hmm. do all three. Mm-hmm. So they're going to need another $5 million for yeah. those police substations. So that's proposed to be in this bond the issue. $4.5 million uh, was in the 2021 bond issue, mm-hmm. but they need, a, <laughs> they need to double that figure uh, with another $5 million. Part of that's because of inflation. Um, the cost of the properties they're going to get, though they did have one of the properties donated on North Market. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the price tags have gone up on almost everything we're doing. Now, the fire department, this is interesting. They need big-time renovations uh, at several of the fire stations. Uh, East Stoner, David Rains, Wilkinson, and Ellerby Road are the first priorities. What's the one down there where we had the mold um, in South Shreveport? Out Flournoy Lucas Road. Yeah. Near the port. And, and I'm not sure if that's the one they're calling. The, I don't think that's the Ellerby Road one. No, this is a different one. But they need work there. Mm-hmm. But then they're proposing three new fire stations, completely new, where you start from scratch. And one would be to replace Station 11 on Uri Drive, which is right there near Albany. Mm-hmm. Station 3, which is East 70th Street, not too far from Uri Drive. It's between uh, Bayou Pierre and Uri Drive. And then Station 16 on Hollywood, not too far from the airport. They need new stations at those locations. Um, it and all, they're going mm-hmm. to need, like I know the one on Uri at uh, Albany is landlocked. I yes. mean, it's And if you look at that, <laughs> it looks like it used to be a home. Right. And the garage yeah. of the home is where they have the fire truck. Mm-hmm. It, the thing looks tiny. 
that, yeah, they need the property all the way to the corner. And I don't know if they can get that other land or if they can get well, land on the Well, there's a home. Other. If you're facing the fire station on Uri, mm-hmm. there's a home uh, to the left. Right. That's kind of catty corner right on that corner. And then there's a business to the right. Yeah, there's a hair salon right to the right of it. So I don't know if they can acquire all that land or not, but they're going to need some more land. Or they relocate that station to somewhere else where they would have more land. Well, it would have been nice if they'd have known when that region's bank was closing, if they could have got that property, which is a huge corner lot now. Mm-hmm. But that's that's been redone. I think they're putting a washeteria there. Laundry mats going in there. Yeah. yeah, that's what it looks like. So the the bond but that would have been the perfect location. Yeah, that yeah. huge corner lot where the bank was. Bond study committee is meeting again next week. They have two public meetings. One is um, at Southern University. One's at LSUS, and then they're going to have two more the following week that they're going to hear from the public. If you have concerns about infrastructure, you think you know a project that needs to be done, they want your opinion. You can also go online, shreveportla.gov. There's a form there you can fill out if you won't have concerns about infrastructure or you want your voice heard. Don't, you know, just ignore it and, and then be ignorant. Go and put your concerns down. Let the city hear from you because it's important that we all be involved. Because then the council will whittle it down, the administration will whittle it, the bond committee will whittle it down, then the administration may whittle it, and then the, and it's up to the council to whittle it down to figure out what are the top priorities. And then we go to the voters in the spring. Thank you. Sorry. I, I was distracted. It's okay. ADD. Squirrel. Squirrel. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm working on this post oh, to get yeah. these bond proposals up mm-hmm. on keelnews.com so people can read exactly uh, what the police chief and the fire chief have proposed. Mm-hmm. Michael McCarty, 1017 FM, 710 Keel. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Ruben, I told you, don't start the segment until I'm ready. Oh, boy. You ready to explode again? No. Come on now. Let's do it. No. Your your buddy. Your buddy's working on a program that you're going to love. Who's my buddy? Uh, Gavin Newsom. Oh, Gavin. Yeah. Your buddy Gav, governor of He's California. A close and personal friend of mine. He has signed a law in California... To give fast food workers a higher minimum wage. Fast food workers in California will now be making $20 an hour. The and minimum, this is not up for discussion. This is a done deal. Yeah, he has signed it. Yeah. Um, the minimum wage in California, by the way, is $15.50. $15.50 an hour. He's now mandating, they're now mandating that fast food workers are paid $20 an hour. So if you work in a gas station, you still only are going to make 15 Right. But if you're flipping burgers, you're going to make 20 bucks an hour. 20 bucks an hour, which is, um, what is that, times 40 hours? That's 800 that's 3200 a month. That's 37000 a year, something like that. Um, and you probably work overtime, I would imagine. So, but we non- all... Non-skilled, untrained labor. Yeah. 
is it going to cost jobs? Aaron, I'm glad he did this. I'm glad he did this. Are you? Your bu- you like what your buddy's doing. My buddy. <laughs> because take a look today. Mark today mm-hmm. how much uh, how much a Whopper costs mm-hmm. in California. Yep. How many workers are there in, in the fast food industry today in California? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, how many fast food restaurants and businesses are there? Because I guarantee you those figures are going to change. It, yeah. it, within a year, right? Look at look at what's already happened in fast food. You go in, you don't order at the at the counter anymore. They have kiosks. There's no employees there. That's what I find so ironic. As he's signing this bill into law, he is surrounded by fast food workers who are cheering. <laughs> you are cheering the demise of your job. Exactly. I, they don't understand that. I guess. The, the kiosks will replace you, and, you know, all the, those are going to cost us batteries or power or whatever. They, I, don't, I, they I, don't take time off. They don't need sick leave. They don't call in sick. There's no, yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's no vacation. There's no insurance. Mm-hmm. And how much are we willing to pay for our fast food? There's well, going to come a point when we're going to say, yeah, not going out tonight. I'll cook at home. And I've, I've, I've brought this up before. There's already a, an employee-less McDonald's. Uh, around Fort Worth in the Fort Worth area, mm-hmm. no you go workers. In, no workers. It's it's like a huge vending machine. The machines make the burgers. I guess I haven't been in. Wow! But there are no employees in the McDonald's. Wow! Wow! So welcome to your twenty dollar an hour mm-hmm. minimum wage. Yeah. Before we wrap things up, it's the big meeting day today between the mayor and the lieutenant governor to talk Mardi Gras. We will certainly have kind of the results of that Monday morning. We'll find out what they did. Mikey McCarty, 1017 FM.